man, I thought somebody else, I thought the spirit was moving there for a second. I was like, they're going to take over. Let's do it. Uh, <laughs> well, good morning. Uh, welcome to church this morning. I just came back from 11 days in South Dakota. Now, let me tell you what, when I think of all the things that I want to do for 11 days, South Dakota doesn't really make the cut, all right? Uh, but I wanted to just thank you guys. Uh, it was great. We had uh, a time where we could actually spread my mom's ashes while I was there. And I'm just really grateful for a church that has given me some grace this year uh, to just be present with my family during this time. So um, it was really beautiful. We put them in my dad's yard, actually, where we have a tree for my niece that passed away. And uh, it was a beautiful time to be just with my family. And uh, we had a birthday party on Friday, which my wonderful siblings kept calling my unbirthday uh, because it was too soon to celebrate my birthday, uh, which was a lot of fun. And my dad, I actually woke up to a text message from him this morning, and it said, good morning and happy birthday. And I said, well, thank you, Dad. And he responds with, uh, go give them hell, or, <laughs> and then he said another one and said, or heaven, I guess, is your thing, isn't it? So um, that's, that's the wonderful good, good father I have. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, this morning, I want to welcome you to week four of One Hit Wonder. And we have been talking about how do we make lasting changes in our lives? How do we not become just One Hit Wonders? Now, there is a difference between one-hit wonders and songs that change the charts forever. Do you know what that is? Well, actually, the difference is, is that a one-hit wonder, it starts with, I love this, and it ends in, I hate this. It starts in I love this, and it ends in I hate this. Now, you may have heard, uh, we played some one-hit wonders the first week we started this, and I'm going to lovingly ask for that song right now uh, while I'm not praying. Okay. <laughs> now, who all knows this song? Right? Like, we're all familiar with it. It's not very difficult. And that's not <laughs> and that, it's not very difficult to know the words to that song. You know, it just repeats. And I don't know if you remember when it came out, it was really fun for like two seconds, wasn't it? It was like, yeah, like maybe you listened to it on repeat, maybe in the car you were driving and you're like, yeah, who did? Who let them out, you know? And it was fun. And then all of a sudden, that song was everywhere, wasn't it? It was in commercials, it was on the radio, it was on TV, it was on movies, it was on billboards, who let the dogs out everywhere. And by the time, like, a month passed, you hated it, didn't you? You were like, Lord have mercy, I don't care who let them out. Just put the song back, right? And, and that's what one-hit wonders do. They start with, I love this. I love this song. And they end in, oh my goodness, I'm done. And I would say that similar to that are bad habits that we pick up. They start with, man, I love this. And they end in, oh, I hate this. You know, we start bad habits. We think, I'm going to stop going to the gym, and I'm going to stop looking at what I'm eating, and I'm going to eat all of the fry bread that I want, and all of the donuts and tacos, and just bring them here. I love this. And then a month later, when we're feeling like garbage, we're like, man, I hate this. Or we think, like, 
yeah, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get wasted. I love this life. And then we wake up the next morning. Oh, I hate this. What did I do? We do that in almost anything that we follow our feelings towards. Uh, Affairs, they start loving it, don't they? Or else we wouldn't do them. They start and they're really fun and we say, we love this escape, we love this. And then a couple months later when we're sitting in divorce court, we're like, man, I hate this. And the reality sets in. Now, uh, if you are in the, the mix of, man, I love this, of something that you just know is wrong, I'm going to tell you this morning, your time's coming. And you will get to hate this. Proverbs talks about this. It says, there is a path before each person that seems right. I love this. But it ends in death. Now, songs that change the charts forever, they actually start backwards interestingly enough. Uh, Most of the artists that they can withstand the test of time, they produce really annoying songs up front. And you listen to it at first, and you hate it. I think of like Katy Perry and like Britney Spears. You know, I even think about the Beach Boys in some regards. Like they do these gimmicky songs that you turn on the radio and you're like, blah. But you listen to it, and it sticks, and it's catchy, and and then eventually they get to a place where they can make music that they love. And and it's a music that they actually is pretty good. And I actually have an example of what this looks like on a video for you guys this morning. Worst song ever. songs, they start with, I hate this, and they end with, I love this. I will give you some examples of these. If you were here week one and you said, my challenge is to get healthier, and we are now three weeks in, and you know that sooner or later, this one's coming to text for you and say, how's it going? And maybe you're in the mix of it, and you're like, man, I got to get off the couch now. I got to go exercise. I got to go do these things. And you're like, I hate this. Like, there is nothing holy about it. I just, I hate it. But eventually, after you establish those habits, you move into this place where you're like, man, I love how I feel. I love how I'm not tired as much. I love how I feel. Or maybe you took on last week's challenge of loving your spouse. And man, you're like, I hate doing the dishes when I don't want to do the dishes. But man, I love when my house is just happier. I love that smile that my spouse gets when I just do the hard things. And let me tell you what, if you are in the mix of, man, I hate this, this is hard, 
I promise you, your time's coming. When you will move into, I love this. Uh, dealing with addictions. I, I would hate to start that process. But God has freedom on the other side, doesn't he? And so world changers, they start with I hate this, but they end in I love this. And this morning, our challenge, let me tell you what, this is a challenge that if you do not get right, you will not get any of the other challenges right. Because this morning's challenge is to get emotionally healthy. And the reason this is so important is that emotional life, it bleeds into everything else, doesn't it? Uh, When I feel emotionally unhealthy, I get tired. When I get tired, I get grumpy. When I get grumpy, I get overwhelmed. When I get overwhelmed, I just stop growing altogether. Uh, Paul talks about this in Philippians. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And this This verse is very popular. The NIV says, uh, the peace that transcends all understanding. And we love the idea of that, don't we? We pray for it. We hope for it. We trust in that promise. Problem is, is that many of us can't get past the first two words. Don't worry. (laughs) Because we are emotionally unhealthy. In fact, you can't even entertain the reality that your emotions wouldn't dictate your entire life and the decisions that you make. And when we're in that place, we can't just trust in a God that transcends all understanding because we can't stop worrying and stop letting our feelings guide us. Now, this is formed from an early age. Uh, Anybody have had a toddler before, right? Okay, you know, <laughs> two hands. Uh, when they, when something happens, when you say, no more shredded cheese on the taco, what do they do? Maybe cry, you know, especially if they like cheese. He knows this a little too well. Uh, maybe when, when, when grandma says that there's no chocolate left, what do they do, you know? Pout. My mom, my mom and dad always used to say, a bird's going to poop on that lip of yours. You know, that's what we do. Uh, maybe somebody says, there is, you have to put your toys away. Ah! Heck breaks loose, right? And then we throw a fit. And we learn to let our emotions dictate us from a very early age. And just like emotions, they, they dictate us at a very early age. Our formative years and the people that were around us in our formative years, they changed how we interact with God even. Now we sang that song this morning, Good, Good Father. And for some of us, that's kind of a hard concept to wrap our minds around, isn't it? Maybe it's not a father, but maybe it was another figure in your life that you'd say that they weren't good. Um, I actually have a picture of my dad this morning. Um, This was the first picture we have together. A couple things to note. My dad's expression on his face. Uh, This was his third child, so he knew exactly what he signed up for. Uh, (laughs) And also, I was born with a full set of hair, okay? Um, And then, I really think that they knew I was gonna be a coffee addict from a very early age because of this picture. Look at my yawn. That's right. Uh, I actually have another picture of my dad. Um, My sister's trying to get in, but my dad, if there was ever a man that I've met that was just born to be a dad, it's Dan Hafner. Um, he's got the mustache. 
Uh, he's got sarcasm. He tells the story about me swallowing a marble every chance he gets, okay? Um, embarrassing stories. He's sarcastic. He's grumpy. He always fixes things when anything is broken. That's just who my dad is. But even as perfect as my dad is at being a dad, his love falls short sometimes. Uh, his love has a ceiling because my dad, like me, is a human. <laughs> and, and because of that, his love is imperfect. And maybe you have photos like that in your own home. Maybe you have photos like that that you would rather burn and throw away. Maybe it wasn't your dad. Maybe it was somebody else that during your formative years, the love that you experienced, it just wasn't perfect. It just didn't come up. And I want to read this verse in Romans 5, verse 6, so that we have a, a framework for our discussion today. It says, When we were, true, were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And this, uh, verse 6 through 8, it talks about, and it is the definition of perfect love. And perfect love has a name. It's unconditional love, right? Unconditional love. It says, while we were utterly helpless, while we had nothing going for us, while we could not express love back even, God sent his one and only son to die for us. And conditional love, imperfect love, it doesn't say that, does it? Conditional love says, I will love you unless you mess it up. <laughs> I will love you unless you blow it, you know? I will love you if you fill in the blank. Perfect love doesn't work that way. Perfect love says that I love you regardless. I loved you before. I loved you when you were doing your own things, when you were messing up, when you were hurting others, when you were doing things that I knew would hurt you. I sent my one and only son to die for you. And so God, he gives us this definition of perfect love. And it's beautiful because God's love, he loves you perfectly. Did you know that? He loves you better than any person could possibly love you. He loves you perfectly. The problem is, most love we experience is imperfect. I would go as far as to say, any love outside of God is going to be imperfect. Because we're humans. And because, because imperfect love on earth, it has emotions. And it has regrets. And that's just, at best, it's imperfect love. At worst, it's dysfunctional love. Imperfect love, uh, it, it is conditional. And I can't tell you how many stories I've heard about people growing up in good Christian homes, but the parents still taught conditional love. You know, I'll love you when you get your life together. I'll love you when you get an A on that test. I'll love you when you pursue this career. And that's just imperfect love, but dysfunctional love, that is much more dangerous. Because dysfunctional love, it says, I will love you when you start being somebody else. I will love you 
when you start to be someone else altogether. And dysfunctional love, it rejects the image of God inside of you. It pushes boundaries further than you want them to be pushed. It diminishes your worth. And when it's in full swing, it has the capacity to make you forget who you really are. And in case you have forgotten who you really are, let me tell you that you are a child of the king, that you are altogether perfect in his eyes, that he saw worth and value that was worth dying for, that he says, you are my sons and my daughters, and that you have a plan and a purpose. And you were knit together in your mother's womb. The problem is, is that imperfect love, it drills holes in your soul. And so I have an illustration this morning. And before I say that, do this, I'm going to tell you this isn't like a theological concept. Uh, I can't reference a scripture that says soul holes anywhere. <laughs> um, but perfect, imperfect love, it drills holes in your soul. Um, it has the capacity uh, to drill holes in who you are. And so if, if this bucket represented our soul, um, I think it represents it actually pretty well. Because even though Jesus came and died for us, we still have this desire to be filled, don't we? We still have this desire for our life to be lived in its fullest. And the problem with imperfect love, and because it's my birthday, I get power tools on stage, uh, <laughs> All right? Imperfect love, it drills holes inside of our soul. Uh, maybe you had an imperfect parent that gave you a wound, and it drills holes in your soul. Maybe you went through a divorce, and it, maybe that drills a couple holes, right? Maybe you experienced somebody that was really close to you, and they let you down. Maybe you went through a situation where you let somebody down. And imperfect love, it will keep on doing this. Maybe somebody told you that you're not worth what, you, what God says you're worth. Maybe they told you that, that, man, you're not even worth my time. And it drills holes inside our soul. It drills holes inside our buckets. And man, we want to feel fulfilled. But these holes, they just keep happening. They just keep being drilled. Now, there's a lot of things that we can do with these holes, but let me tell you what. When we have a desire to fill our buckets and no realistic way of doing so, isn't that exhausting? That means that when I preach things and truths, and tell you who you are, and tell you all the great things that God has planned for you, it's hard to keep it in the bucket. It's hard to keep it in the bucket. And this is the reason that we become one-hit wonders. Because you want to know why body health is difficult for you? Or seeing yourself with worth is difficult? Because somebody told you, somebody important, told you what they thought you were worth. You want to know why you can't love your spouse? It's because you're emotionally unhealthy. And you're not even healthy enough to even think about the words that you're saying to them. We have holes in our soul from the things that we've gone through, good, bad, or indifferent. 
Now, there are two things that we do with holes in our soul. The first one is that you can exhaust them. This happens when we say, well, I want to feel filled, so I'm going to get just about anything that I can. Maybe money and material things, maybe vacations, maybe uh, relationships, maybe compliments, and we start trying to pour them in the bucket and try to fill our bucket. The problem is, is that eventually it all drains out, doesn't it? And so we keep pouring and we keep pouring, and this is exhausting, isn't it? I'm going to keep doing this. And we fall for this lie that says the next fill-in-the-blank will fill you. And that's a lie. Like, you know it, I know it, everybody knows it. We say the next thing that I can do, the next accomplishment that I can get, the next relationship, the next compliment that I can get from somebody, it will fill me. But it doesn't. King Solomon uh, actually experienced this in Ecclesiastes. He said, Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for my labors. But as I looked at everything, I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. And King Solomon, he was confronted with this lie that the next thing, the next thing that I can do or say or get under my belt, that's going to fix it. If I can accomplish this goal, that will fix it. That will fill the holes. But we're pouring water through a holy bucket. Now the second thing that we can do is that we can excuse our holes. I have done this before, and I'm sure you guys have too. And this isn't from filling them. This is from holding the bucket, like, bottom up and saying, look at these holes. Like, I I was never meant to be filled. You know, I I didn't drill these holes. Uh, My parents drilled these holes. My ex drilled these holes. You know, I have absolutely every reason to not be filled. I have absolutely every reason to be bitter. I have every reason to be uh, self-conscious and to, to lie to people and to be rude because look at this bucket. Look at my holes. And this, this is as old as history itself. Genesis 3, when God told Adam and Eve not to eat the fruit in the garden, listen to what it says. The Lord asked, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And the man replied, it was the woman. <laughs> it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. And then the Lord asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent! (laughs) The serpent deceived me! She replied, that's why I ate it. And that's what we do when we excuse our holes. Uh, We say, it was them who did it. Look at these holes. I didn't drill these holes. I don't even have a power drill. (laughs) This isn't who I am. This is just what I have to deal with. And notice what Adam does in that moment. He says, it was the woman you gave me. And we can also blame God for these holes. Lord, you're the one that gave me that family. Lord, you're the one that had me grow up with that mental illness. Lord, you're the one that made me grow up this way. And we have holes and we say, this is why. But let me tell you what. Even though you have gone through some pretty terrible, unholy situations, that doesn't mean you don't learn from them. 
That doesn't mean you don't learn from them. And I will tell you, man, uh, lost my, my niece in an accident a couple years ago. Lost my best friend from a pulmonary embolism out of nowhere. Lost my mom to a car accident in November. I hate when people look at me and say, God's going to teach you something through this. I hate it. Because when they say that, it's like justifying these holes. It's like saying, yeah, it's bad, but not that bad. And let me tell you what, your holes, they're never going to be justified. You could learn so much that you write books and you fill arenas and preach about how your holes have affected you. You can do all that but they're never justified. The lessons that you learn from abandonment and from abuse and neglect, those things aren't justified. However, God still wants the last word. And God still wants to teach you something through those things that you have experienced. And so my question for you is, what are you excusing that God didn't give you a free pass on we all go through this life together. We all have these things that make up our souls. What have you excused and what are you avoiding? I was able to go home this past week and one of the hardest parts about my mom passing away is that all of us just want to go back to normal. All of us just want to go back to what it was like before. And one of my mentors, he said to me, he said, Lindsay, you will never be the same. And in fact, that's a good thing. And I think that that's absolutely true. The things that you have experienced, the relationships that have been imperfect and dysfunctional, you will never be the same because of them. And I would venture to say, honestly, you're going to be stronger. You're going to be more open to what the Holy Spirit has to do. And you're going to lean into him because you know what it means to rely on God. Now, now what do we do? What do we do when we have these? John 15, verse 5, it tells us what we should do in these moments. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I want to read that verse one more time. I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, what can you do? Nothing. So what do we have to do? We have to remain in God's love. We have to remain in perfect love. And, and this is when the God bucket comes into play. We have to decide, and this is risky, this is difficult, but we have to get to a place where we remain in God's love. And the beautiful thing about remaining in God's love, my holes don't matter. Man, he works through them. It doesn't even matter that I have holes. He actually uses them to infiltrate my life. 
And we have to find a way to remain in his perfect love, a love that knows exactly who you are, a love that knows exactly how to get you out of that mess that you got yourself in. He knows exactly the wisdom and the truth that you need to hear and the people that you need to surround yourself with. And this is what happens. At one point or another, we decide to remain in his love, but life happens. And we return to the same old crap that we have been doing. And then we're like, man, my, my bucket is empty again. And so we start pouring things in and pouring things in. And we say, why isn't it working? I thought I was in his love. But he said, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. And so we go back to the same old habits trying to fill this bucket and nothing works. And we have to decide again that we have to remain in his love, that we have to put the drill down and that we have to decide that even though we could exhaust our efforts, even though we could excuse everything that we've been through, we have to decide to remain in his love. And you know, the worst thing about excusing those holes in your life is that it's actually generational. You say to yourself, I'm garbage. And now you're the one saying it, not anybody else. And that because you feel that way, you start acting out on your kids. And your kids, they develop holes. And they grow up with holes. And they spread the holes around. And it happens generationally. You want your family to be healthy? You want to be healthy? we got to put the drill down. We have to decide that we are going to remain in his love. So I don't know what has happened in your life. I'm blessed to know most of your stories, but I don't know what sort of dysfunctional or imperfect love you have experienced. But I do know that we serve a God that wants to work in and through them, that wants you to live in a place where you are filled in his love. And I want to give you two just starting places to do that. And the first step is you got to get off the island. I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to say it with a lot of sass, you got to get off the island. <laughs> do it again, do it again, do it again. You got to get off the island, okay? <laughs> now, let me tell you what, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that his return is drawing near. You got to get off the island, okay? And this is a hard truth, and I love you guys, and I might offend you, but if you are going through something right now, and you feel alone in it, especially if you call Anchor Church your home, you have chosen to be alone, you have chosen to isolate. You have chosen to tell nobody about what you are carrying. And let me tell you what, you got to get off the island. And I don't know what that looks for you. Uh, one of the most important people in my life is my counselor, I'll say it. Uh, and not because she's, you know, a professional that tells me I'm actually not crazy. Um, but also because she's just an outside perspective. Maybe you need to get off the island and maybe I can be that person for you. You know what my job is? is to look at this bucket and realize why the word of God is not sticking and help you to go through and to remain in his love. I'd love to be that person. Maybe this is your call to be together in a community in this church. You know, we have men's group and women's group that meets monthly. 
And every time during those, those situations, there's a time for sharing and for prayer so that we can bear one another's burdens and we can walk through this together. But you got to get off the island. Let me tell you what, nothing good, nothing good happens when you are secluded by yourself on an island. You have to decide, I am not going to suffer through this alone. And I think that's hard because when you go through trauma, it's yours. And the enemy will tell you this lie. They won't understand. Nobody will understand my pain. First of all, it doesn't matter if they do. Your goal on the other side of somebody hurting is not to fully understand, but to just love them. And the other thing is that maybe they will. And maybe it won't get you through until, like, the rest of your life. Maybe it'll just get you through tomorrow. And the second thing is that you have to submit your life to God. You have to hand over your life. You have to say, Lord, this is my pain, this is my story, and I commit it to you. Now, this is difficult because, like I said, we are possessive about our stories, aren't we? We, we protect our pain. This morning, I want to lead us in a prayer of what it looks like to submit your life under the leadership of Jesus Christ. And my hope for you is that when we pray this prayer, that you will sit with hands open saying, Lord, you know exactly what I have been through. You know exactly what has happened. And I trust you. And I will follow you. So bow your heads and close your eyes with me. And if you, you need to bow, if you need to come up to the altar, that is absolutely free and open to you. This morning, if you need to open up your hands and say, Lord, I don't carry this any longer, would you please do that with me? Lord, I command my body, soul, and spirit to submit to the leadership of Jesus Christ. I take authority over my mind, my will, and my emotions, and I command them to submit to the leadership of Jesus. God, you are my refuge and my strength. Your word says you are my ever-present help in times of need. You are my joy and my salvation. God, you are my rock and redeemer, and I commit to living under your leadership. Lord, I don't want to live under the leadership of the holes in my bucket. God, but I want to dwell within your love, not under the leadership of my emotions and my past, of my guilt and my shame, and not under the leadership of anything that sets itself up against you. I want to live wholly for you and towards you, knowing that you will give me the strength and courage to do so through the power of the Holy Spirit, that you have forgiven my mistakes through the blood of Jesus Christ and that you love me perfectly as a father. Lord Jesus, we commit our lives to you and we ask that you would fill our buckets. Lord, that you would teach us how to remain in you. Lord, maybe it's through getting off the island and talking with somebody else. Lord, maybe it's somebody within this room. Maybe it's somebody without, or outside of this room, Lord. 
Would you help us? Would you give us the encouragement and the bravery to do so? Lord, and when trouble strikes, God, would we commit to constantly submit our lives under you? It's in Jesus' name. Amen.